Welcome to Sex Talk Radio, a podcast that explores kink and sex through candid and curious conversations. Join me and expert guests in exploring taboos and unpacking what it means to be kink and sex positive. Recently launched is the Sexy Society. This is an online digital community for women and non-binary people to connect, explore, and learn. It is free through the rest of the year. You can learn more by going to sexysociety.com. That's S-E-G-G-S-Y society.com. Today's episode of Sex Talk Radio is sponsored by the HUD app. HUD is changing the face of casual dating by offering an alternative and empowered approach to commitment-free dating. Go to hudapp.com slash sextalk, that's H-U-D-A-P-P dot com slash S-E-G-G-S talk for a week on me. A quick note, the HUD app is available on both iOS and Android and is available to users 18 and over. I want to issue a trigger warning for this episode. This episode includes one or more of the following themes, rape, sexual assault, self-harm, and suicide. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Sex Talk Radio. Thank you. (laughs) I have talked about you on basically almost every episode. I love you. I love you so much. I am so proud of you, baby girl. So proud of you. So for those of you that haven't heard about her in my other episodes, this is Asriel Blackwolf. Um, and she is the famous dominatrix that I have mentioned. And I'll share the story again briefly before we, we jump in. But, um, you know, basically I've always been uh, very sexual and had a lot of partners and there's been a lot of... Um, shame and guilt and secrecy that has come with that. And um, I met you at a personal development training, weekend one of a five-week program. And I mean, you're just, you're just captivating, like just you and all of your tattoos and like, you know, um, I was very intrigued by you. And then one day on our lunch break, I like will never forget the specific moment you like leaned over. We were in a van in a car going to lunch and you like mentioned what you do. And I was just like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're up to, how, what your story is, but I was just so intrigued because I had always hoped that there was like a more positive world and side to kink and exploration and um, sexuality and like you really have been that that permission for me um, to to just understand that there's a whole nother fucking world out there that's really powerful and beautiful and healing Mm. Um, and then you you know I I would say took me under your wing invited me to events and just and also just really selflessly shared your people with me and your community and um yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a, a wild year, and and truly, like this podcast, this would not be happening if it weren't for you. I really want you to know that. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and and you know, I, I think it's brave and hard, and to to share, you know, when people are in the space where you're in, like. But it was it was so brave to even share that with me, just in the context of the container we were in, and like and and look at how that's changed my life and now others. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So for those listening who don't know you, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I would like to spend a few moments, if I may, in opening this up 
into a, a container of intention. Sure. And for me, um, to be intentional about the space I share with people is very important. Yes. And I like to think about this opportunity as ritual space for us to share mm -hmm. and what it is that we will evoke and have the ripple effect for healing for many others. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So I would like to breathe into my intention. Um, so my mission, I feel, I feel my mission in life is to, to be a source of supporting others and breaking through shame. I feel like shame and guilt um, mm -hmm. has weighs so much on most humans that haven't yeah. done the, had the opportunity to do the deeper work. And when we remove shame and guilt, what is available for us is just you not being able to unite mm. as humans. And I feel like this is a very <laughs> stretchy thing for me to speak into is that I really feel like I was put here to unite communities yeah. Furthermore, for us to come together as for healing. Yeah. And my vehicle happens to be BDSM. However, there's a lot of things mm. that get to happen before we even touch into sensuality. So as right. my intention is to speak from the heart as much as I can. <laughs> you know, I did all my homework. Hello, she's up. the best podcast student, oh, you guys. I did all the homework. <laughs> I had many interviews with other uh, peers in this community and um, had a very amazing opportunity. One of my photographers is a man of the cloth and he prayed with me before coming in so that I could just speak from heart and not from rehearsal. <laughs> and so it is my yeah. intention to be with you and for us to just share openly and converse and um, to be able to support others on their healing yes. journey. And intimacy truly starts with oneself. Yeah. Yeah. What is your intention? <sighs> I love that. Um, my intention for this podcast with you is um, really to honor and celebrate you. And uh, you have been through a lot and done a lot of hard work. And I want people to see what is possible in life. Mm. Um, and just to, to honor our relationship and what we're both creating. I mean, we, we've both had a lot of positive monumental growth from the program that we both did together and like to see what we're both creating in the world like both of us are doing fucking big shit yeah and um yeah my intention feels celebratory I'm leaning mm. into celebration and yeah. and what that feels like in my body and yeah I love that yeah <laughs> I love celebrating you thank you you've you're grown. very good at it you're, you're <laughs> such a good girl you've grown so much in the past year and it's been you know, it's been a beautiful gift for me to witness your growth yeah. and your transformation, and it is still ongoing. And even us being able to touch into shadow work together has been truly an honor when somebody brings me that. Yes. And that is truly, like, my passion is when somebody is, you know, somewhere in a place of stuck. Yeah. With shame, guilt, whatever that story is. Mm -hmm. And for them to come have a session with me mm -hmm. and to just trust me to guide them. Because, yeah. I mean... At the end of the day, I feel like our session was more somatics. Yeah. They happen to have kinky elements <laughs> in getting into the body. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that the kinky elements that I utilize in my modalities for healing, where is it? Why can't that be more readily available for others? And why does it have to have that label kinky? Right. And I mean, when I had thought about exploring like Shabari or like paying somebody for a session of some sort, it was it was like... You know, in the past, it had been thinking about doing that with a man. And for me, 
I continue to do work around it, but there is a beautiful safety of doing something that is sensual yet not penetration focused with a woman was really, really magical for me. It felt Mm -hmm. so safe. Mm -hmm. And I think that despite all of the work that I've done, there's, there's, there's an unsafety in my body. Uh, around men if somebody was tying me up I was at their house out in Bastrop <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah just to just to you know share that that was really really powerful and I think that there's a big misconception of that kinky is always erotic and like or penetration related like there's yeah. a lot of misconceptions absolutely um, yeah yeah and I do want to speak into that and for me um I have done a lot of intentional work in the past six months to seek out male practitioners or male body, let me reframe, Mm -hmm. male bodied practitioners. So to me, they still look like man, smell like man, even if they are non-binary and queer. And so I still have old stories that Mm. I'm working through. And you're intentionally seeking them out to to support me in Oh my goodness. (laughs) And for me to surrender, is it me being a submissive? Mm. Yeah. That's a big... It's like if you're going to a massage therapist and you're getting deep tissue massage, you're going to feel pain. You are surrendering to somebody. Does that make you a submissive? Mm. You know? Yeah. When you go to do a partner thing like acro yoga, which that's how I view a lot of shibari, is like acro yoga. Is there a top? Is there a bottom? What does that mean? Does there need to be a power exchange? Mm -hmm. Dynamic, not necessarily. And you may get aroused. I may get aroused when I go shopping. (laughs) Yeah. That's happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and so, else is paying. so there's, there's so many lines that get blurred about yeah. like, oh, well this is kinky and this is not. And it's not right or wrong. It, it's not right, wrong, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so being able to breathe into the experience of when I'm having a session with a practitioner, whether I'm a, a, attracted to them or not, mm-hmm. if I become aroused, is that what defines it as kinky? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. What yeah. does make it kinky? Right. Kinky's like a funny, silly little word. Anyways. It is. It sounds silly. Yeah. Like. So we have these <laughs> labels there to put things into kind of categories. Mm-hmm. However, they don't necessarily need to be. Definitely. Yeah. And it's my little analytical brain likes to put things in categories. I think everybody's <laughs> does. Our yeah. brains want to route this to something. Right. You know, and... If I think back into my childhood and I recall my very first threesome experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun, yay. Yeah, it was, I feel like, just platonic intimacy mm-hmm. of exploration as children. Yeah. And it was me, another gal, and another boy. Mm-hmm. And we're hiding underneath my daybed, <laughs> holding hands and kissing each other. And it was a little, it was just exploration. We were cuddling yes. and holding hands. Oh little pecs and that was my <laughs> first threesome experience Cute, you know and yeah. can it just be innocent can right. it just be you know I feel like the way I was raised as a child like I don't know what is what is appropriate or not mm-hmm. you know like that's something as an adult I got to get into my body and feel mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of my adulthood not in my body same yeah. or especially with sex disassociating yes. absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah I love what you're saying about intentionally putting yourself in situations like that challenge you with the growth edges, because I mean, what was your, I feel like your view on, on your relation, your relating to men when you came into the personal development workshop we did was very different. Mm. Yes. 
like massive transformation. Absolutely. Which is so fucking cool. That's um, possible. Yes, absolutely. And it is my intention to level the playing field for me to see genders as humans mm -hmm. and not to allow the events in my past to dictate how I respond to somebody in the present mm. moment who is a new human being. And put that on them when getting into relationships. That's something yeah. I, I navigate. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to happen. We all have past events. Yeah. Now, how can we utilize communication and embodiment and somatics and our knowledge today mm -hmm. to support through the rupture and repair conversations that will happen anytime mm. I'm in relationship with someone? Yeah. And to honor that we're going to have some crunchy edges. You and I have had some crunchy edges and we've been yeah. able to support each other through that. Those are the most important relationships, mm -hmm. the ones that are worth having those conversations. Yeah. With. And, you know, and I'm not, I mean, I'm not, what I'm trying to say is that like, I'm not immune to having a reaction right. and needing space. Right. You know, I had a whole year of somebody did something that I was very, mm. very inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we had a clearing conversation mm -hmm. and I just needed to be pissed off at him for a year. Sure. And I did the work when it was time to do the work. And I released yeah. him of it. He's, he's still not my favorite person, but it's okay. You know, like I can see him as a human that did something that was triggering. Yeah. And that could just be that. And I mean, I think all of this also just speaks to the value that can be gained from self-awareness, personal development, doing the fucking work, yeah. going the extra mile because... When you, when you walked in there, it was like, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, anger, hatred for men. Yeah. And now it's like, I heard you say something the other day about like, wait, you're like, wait, this is actually who I want to support. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, as much as like, I love connecting with women on the pod and that most of my listeners are women, I want it to reach men yeah. too. Yeah, well, my male clients know about your podcast. Yay. Yes, you know, <laughs> I, I make it a point, especially yeah. like if I have an online client, I'm like, hey, if my my intention with my male um, clients, and, you know, this is more so with my dominant mindset mentoring program, mm -hmm. is to understand a woman's perspective mm -hmm. and that I need to, them to have an alignment with me that their intention in learning how to be a dom mm -hmm. and the mindset around it is for to be a source of healing yes. for women yes, and knowledge. That's a and lot. Yes. Mm. That is so sexy. <laughs> and if men yes. are really not aligned to that, right. I let them know, like, there's other educators you can go to. Mm. Yeah. I, I ran up against that distinction in dating people on field because I didn't, I thought that when people said I'm like Dom, like I thought that meant actual experience with BDSM. And for a lot of men, it, it, it means um, I'm dominant and controlling in the bedroom. And so I'm going to just call myself a Dom. But, you know, that led to unpleasant experiences because I assumed that they had experience and that the intention was coming from a more um, consent and, and kink-educated background, which is not the case for yeah. the mass, the masses. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that energy is not desirable. I never had a second hookup with any guy that, that where that energy was just, I want to dominate you, like, aggress in an aggressive getting their energy out against women type of way, mm, when yeah. it is from a mutual pleasure and actually relief for both parties through submission and dominance, and it's, like, symbiotic, mm. and we talk about it, like, I want more of that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I do have a Rolodex of, of, of men that I would... You know, I've, I've shared some with you. So it's, it's you know, I, I am very fortunate that I do belong very deeply in the um, Central Texas BDSM community. Yeah. And there is so many that are about 
curating a shared experience Mm -hmm. where there is like the talk of negotiation and consent and aftercare, Mm -hmm. you know, Yes, please. and as I've been (laughs) in, as I've been volunteering myself for sessions with other male bodied practitioners, I'm still learning what my aftercare looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, what I've recognized is if I have a really triggering session that I've called forth, it is, it is, uh, on me to do the reparenting of my inner child or whatever happens mm. afterwards. And what I'm finding out is that to have it like a two week follow up afterwards where mm. there's no, there's no energy exchange. And it's just like, Hey, us two meeting together just as humans talking. Yeah. That is what's supportive is that grounding afterwards. Mm. So, I mean, even in my mid forties, I'm still discovering like <laughs> there's, it's just ongoing of discovery. Yeah. It's was yeah. it, um, what kind of sessions are you talking about with male practitioners, Shabari? Um, so one in particular has been Shabari, and um, but I've been requesting him, and um, he's private about our, our sessions, and I understand that because sure. he, he is you know a facilitator as well, and some of the, the specific trigger I asked of him to do mm-hmm. is you know what triggered me last mm-hmm. year, so that is what I invited him into doing mm-hmm. is something that was specifically got my goat last year, and I was like, I want power over this. Mm. And so I originally started this conversation with another friend of mine who's a dom, and um, we started the conversation, and then he ended up unavailable, and so that's when it just kind of flowed into this other person being available. Yeah. And this person has a lot of background in, like, NVC, NLP, mm. uh, trauma and somatics, and so, cool. uh, but it also comes from a place of responsibility. So yes. I know as a practitioner, yeah. if I trigger someone it is still up to them for their integration. Mm. I can be on the bumper, you know, be the bumper guides, making sure that like, hey, you know, who's your support system? Because it can't be me. I can't be the one facilitating. Right, right. the and, healing. Yeah. And the healing as well. Like yeah. I can't be on both sides because I'm also not a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of been tricky navigating it for myself because I'll, I'll find myself, I found myself like with a couple of days of having like anxious attachment. Mm, sure. And that's something I haven't, experienced it (laughs) it's exhausting I I know and so I was like you know and like I took the last session we had intentionally and then went on a guided uh, DMT journey on autumn equinox and was like let's just get in to the nitty-gritty and go there (laughs) and DMT is something that I I don't do often and it is something that I have a lot of respect for. Mm, it is fucking blast off. It is absolutely terrifying. And That's what I've heard. I tried it once, but I only got the giggles. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so the journey that came for the next two weeks was a lot of what many would call shadow work. Mm. And where I was able to utilize my support system. And I have a handful of daddy doms in my life that are really great friends. I'm a daddy dom. And, um, and so able to utilize my support system and focusing out as well. Yeah. Um, but I love yeah. that you went and and faced a trigger to heal. Like that's mm. that's the theme that is like coming up in this conversation already is like your willingness to go do the uncomfortable, hard, crazy yeah. shit yeah. to get over it and move on and yeah. like process. And so it's just like I also want that to resonate for everybody who's like watching, listening, newer to newer to BDSM and kink that like it can be fucking healing and that's like one of the main pillars of what you do yes yeah absolutely yeah Mm. um I mean and for kind of reference because I think people just really like tangible experiences like I'll just walk people like through what we did at your house um and 
because I, I want to really try to articulate why it's healing. Like, cause I say that a lot, but mm-hmm. I want to like give, give a frame of reference. So and I feel very honored that you're open to sharing your experience. Cause yeah. it's not on me to share your experience. You know, confidentiality yeah. means a lot yeah. to me. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd love to share. So um, you invited me for a Shabari session. And I mean, even though I know you well, like I'd never been to your house and I wouldn't say nervous, but like, you know, my controlling personality type, I wanted to know what was going to happen. And um, the house was peaceful. There was incense burning and there was like a very intentional energy from you to like ground and connect first and and not to rush into anything or really to just meet me where I was at. And so we caught up a little bit. Um, and then, and I also probably won't remember all of it cause I got in subspace, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you had me like set an intention for the session and we sat down and I also shared with you some things that I was feeling shame about. And, um, and from that moment, then we went much deeper. It went from, okay, like what's my intention to like, oh, I want to really work through and process some stuff right now. Let's go in. And I mean, I got, I got emotional, but there's something about, and you do a lot of somatic stuff where it's like emotional processing without any type of movement or physical element can feel really consuming and big and heavy. Um, and even like my friend, our friend Bertini, who recently taught, taught me how to do a rage ceremony, moving through emotion while you're like screaming and rolling around on the floor, it just comes out different. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why I think that like Shabari and kink can be so healing is that I had these big kind of heavy emotions in me, in my body, and then I got to be like tied up and constricted. And like for me, that feels really safe. It feels really safe and, and also sensual. Um, I find like the feeling of the rope on my body erotic, um, but I wasn't inherently like I'm turned on. And that's the other distinction is it's not necessarily like kink or rope means horny. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to feel safe and constricted and tied up and you had music going. And I think we were talking. See, I'm not even going to correctly remember mm-hmm. everything. Um, it's more about I remember the feeling and the shift, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's important. Like, it's not even necessarily the conversation as much as um, my you kind of tied up my leg. And, it like, there was a little bit of, you know, discomfort. But, like, in a good, like, pushing up against my edges mm-hmm. way. Um and then just really tapping into my my body and then like the release and you slowly untying me and uh, it just felt really, I felt so safe with you. And I think that is a really special distinction of having that experience with a woman. I'd only ever been like tied up or handcuffed or whatever by a guy in, in a sexual capacity. Mm-hmm. And... It's, it's hard to articulate. That's why I think it's hard to be like, kink's healing, and then try to articulate because it's mm-hmm. so personal mm-hmm. for what you are going through and shifting in that experience. But after I was untied, I just felt, I felt relief. I felt free. It's like the binding and the unbinding. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt high. And then I went to the bathroom and I realized I was wet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not in my brain turned on, but my body is turned on. Yeah. Uh, it was just really beautiful. Mm, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add to that? <laughs> I don't know if I... We did uh, some other things in that session. I don't, oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. there was a whole oh. slew of... Uh, I got... I got impact play <laughs> yes, i'm like did. i knew there was fucking more yeah and mm -hmm. did some sensory as yes, well ice mm -hmm. okay i'm like it wasn't I have, I have a handful of implements i keep in the freezer yes. um i yeah. like um writing crop i think that's you one. yes yes of mm -hmm. and so after you shifted you know i did I did, like you said, some somatic work to get you to kind of shift into that and to breathe into that and so the dialogue i'm great i'm glad you didn't remember what I said because that means you were actually going mm. into your body mm. and so I was utilizing key phrases to really help support you drop in Cool. because I I know the shame that you're feeling yeah. and I have I feel very anchored to you mm. and it is I mean it's that level one power group kind of anchor <laughs> that will always be there you know and ride or die shit yes mm -hmm. and you know one of the things I love about the leadership academy is that we have been through the fires together yeah and it uh, it has allowed us to speak an emotional and spiritual language mm -hmm. that people who may not have gone through the process can and so I knew kind of how to tap into you differently yeah. And then there's the rocking and the motions. And mm -hmm. um, I picked a very specific harness for you. Mm. And it was the cross your heart harness. Aww. And it was to really Anchor tighten to up. My heart. Yes. And different different people will inspire me to do different chest harnesses. And that's yeah. what really called to me in that moment with you. Yeah. And I think of the, um, I primarily do hands-free chest harnesses. Mm. Um, ex with especially if I'm tying somebody for the first time and being tied. Yes, okay. and that's just me personally. Um, I don't like my arms bound. That is something I've been doing recently with a male practitioner, mm. and that is, you know, so I know how. It's you. Yes, <laughs> and so normally if somebody does want it, I I wait until our second or third session. And but with you, we have rapport, and I've done impact play with you before at a party, and yes. you know, <laughs> so we have that rapport. And I first. So I think of chess harnesses with Shabari like. Have you heard of those uh, th thunderstorm vests for dogs? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so there's that aspect. And then here's another. It really works. Yeah, so when when babies are born, they're, you're taught to swaddle them. Mm-hmm. Swaddle them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Safe. Yeah, that's safe. So once I got that chest harness on you, wow. I felt really moved and inspired just to, and I kept one of your hands free. It was free, and I had the mm. other one over, so you could release if you needed to. And so I gave you escape routes, whether you needed to use them or not. <laughs> or um, was aware. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and so important. being able to really just, I was envisioning, you're such a baby girl to me. I so I was just like, let's swaddle the, uh, <laughs> and for me, when I see you go through your same shame cycles, it's your own journey. And for me as an empath, it is so it's my job to mm. just make it not my business. Mm. And that is probably the challenge, most challenging part for me sure. when I am anchored to someone is I feel so much and I feel deeply and yeah. I, I do have the capacity to feel. Um, yeah. While in the past, if I felt so deeply, I'd need to go do something to disconnect, mm. like an actual activity. So something that's grown for me from the Leadership Academy in the past year is something inside of me has really expanded and opened mm -hmm. where I can feel the sadness somebody else is feeling and the shame. I could hold space for that. And it's almost like my inner child that understands that can meet mm. you there while I am able to be the the maternal, you know, high priestess adult over here and just be like, okay, I'm going to just it all at once yeah and that's the newest shift that's happened wow. for me in the past year and that's going to be a good uh, uh you know that's an important quality of any 
person working with another human on a one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. basis, a coach, a guide, high priestess, whatever yeah. it is, like you have to be intuitive enough to know exactly like what's going on. And, but, but, and, and feel it and connect and have that empathy, but not feel it so much that it impacts your experience with yeah. them, mm -hmm. but not be so disconnected that you're out of the loop. Yeah, it's a exactly. really beautiful place to be. Yeah. And it's tricky. Being mm -hmm. an empath is, is challenging. I mean, on these podcast days, because I'm so in it and present, um, I go home and I just stare at a wall <laughs> the rest yeah. of the night. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot to be an empath. Mm, yes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love your reflection on that as well. Yeah. I, um, the impact play, I've learned that definitely a masochist, like somebody was talking about pain recently from like impact, uh, implements over there. And, I was like, oh, but it just feels good. It feels good to you. Like, it feels good to me. And they were like, no, like, it hurts. And I'm like, oh, like, I really like pain. Like, it feels it feels like pleasure. Yeah. Pain, like, manifests as pleasure in my body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hot. I'm trying to think of the name of a book. There's one. Mm. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think it's hurt so good. Maybe, maybe mm. not. There's anyways. And um, this was from a ballerina. Yeah. And I think she became a tattoo junkie at some point. And then like one of her friends that was a ballerina became like a power lifter. And so mm -hmm. I have friends that have There's very extreme themes. ways of accessing that yes, dopamine. Do. The, the, the athletes. The, yes. You know, um, and, you know, I had a period of time where I absolutely from trauma could not do BDSM and found myself in other more socially acceptable ways of experiencing extreme pain. Wow. I that am was when a, you got super into like atomic yeah. athletes. Mm, yeah. And so, cause I am a pain junkie. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I'm not submissive. Right. Yeah. So pain junkie, meaning like it feels like pleasure to you. Oh yeah. I'm, like I'm absolutely, I meant I'm okay. a true sadomasochist. Yeah. Absolutely. Inflicting and receiving. Yes. The power exchange, not so much on the submissive side. Sure. No. Um, I do whatever's a fuck yes in my body. Yeah. But yeah. But the, but yeah, pain feels good. Too. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious about that distinction because some people, um, somebody was just explaining this to me. I don't know if it was you. Who was it? Like that, that sometimes it's the pain happens first and then it turns into arousal and pleasure. Or sometimes it's, it's like just directly when the impact happens directly into pleasure. Hmm. That makes sense. But I felt something very interesting um, that has turned me on in the past year. Yay. Um, it's uh, direct feedback. Okay. <laughs> like all the feedback we were receiving, yes. um, the transformational like feedback, things that it are in my perfect. you on? I did not realize like when somebody oh. is like, when I'm in my, <laughs> when I'm in my stories uh -huh. and I don't know it mm, and somebody, somebody loves me enough to be huh. like, hey, I'm going to interrupt that. Mm -hmm. And this is my experience of you. It's kind of dummy of and someone else. Exactly. And I'm like, but it's dummy in a different way because right. they're calling me forth into my greatness. Yeah. And I find myself like startled. So I, I do <laughs> like being startled. Like haunted houses get my goat. Oh, like thinking, oh, we need to go to one. I know my one? friends own Bat City Scarecrounds. We should definitely go. I like. I, I want know. fucked up. I mean, uh, oh my goodness. Uh, okay, I digress. Yeah, there is yeah. a no, no, no. I'm totally gonna digress. So there is a. I was at the uh, Gwen Bash, which is a, a mm. three or four day BDSM conference. My company went to go network at it, Amazing. and um, there is a speaker. Um, I'm not gonna drop his name or anything, but he <laughs> is. He maybe has four or five sessions a year because what he does in interrogation. 
he went through the Sears program. He's like got, I think, like some sort of military background. Uh-huh. And so he had a career of literally like torturing. Whoa. And so, I mean, me and my staff were like on the edge of our seats and we're like, you know, like anything that is he really- He was at the kink thing. He was now teaching that. Yeah, he was mm. teaching different things. And Whoa. so interrogation as a form of BDSM. And um, one of my baby girls has a, a fantasy of having a kidnap scene. And so things like this could take a year of writing yeah. it up. Really. You've taught and, me about that. Like when people have specific fantasies yeah. and kinks, yes. so much intentionality. Yes. You know, for safety. And, and so this gentleman, um, we went to a couple of his. He had them like throughout <laughs> the week. And like anytime we had time, we're like, okay, we got to go. And like we sat in on one where at the end he showed pictures. Mm-hmm. And it was, and like. Pictures of what? some of his scenes. Mm. And so literally there'll be like four day interrogations, Jesus like Christ. set up like, oh, like so extreme. And he has a whole staff to have this experience. And, um, there's a whole world out there. You guys, you know, there's a I whole mean, fucking world. And I find it fascinating. I mean, yes. that's why I do what I do. Like, I just find this curious. He's like, yeah. this is my turn on. This is my arousal. I'm going to pay probably thousands of dollars yes. to have this thing done yeah. for my erotic experience. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Human brains are so cool. And like right <laughs> now I am just so mission focused on um, just personal development, healing, learning more about communication and supporting yeah. others that f- he did invite me to come train with him in, and he's in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. However, this gets to be like a late next year thing because of what I'm doing in the next year already. It's like, oh, yes, yes you know. And <laughs> so it's like. So you work yeah. with. So, so a man could come to you, could both of these examples come to you? A guy that like his uh, girlfriend, wife wants to be submissive and they want to explore that. Mm -hmm. And also a guy that wants to do it professionally. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Tell me what that, (sighs) what that looks like and like how you navigate the, um, the naivete at the beginning. (laughs) Cause I think that like, I have some, I don't want to, I have some judgment just because of my own experiences, Mm -hmm. but how you navigate that from a neutral place of like. So, and sharing. Yeah. So my first consultation call is about 30 minutes and I ask, it's like 80, 20. I ask mm-hmm. all the questions mm-hmm. um, because people will tell. To rule out intention. Yes. Because um, it, it does take like what's behind that, what's behind that, what's Right. That. Not just you want to spank your girlfriend. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then there's some where there are couples that are just wanting that where maybe he doesn't need my whole uh, dom mentoring program mm-hmm. and maybe they just need a drop-in session at my dungeon mm-hmm. or I can even make house calls and teach them how to like turn their little bedroom into like a little dungeon place. Kinky. You know? Yes. Um, Today's episode of Sex Talk Radio is sponsored by the HUD app. HUD offers an alternative approach to commitment-free dating and is geared towards supporting women and exploring their sexuality and intimacy in a safe way through conversations around consent, healthy communication, and boundary setting. HUD was the first to roll out safety features like auto-blur photos and video chat capabilities. I've been using the app for a little while now, and personally, my favorite feature is the bedroom feature, where I can see a glimpse into somebody's bedroom desires. So for example, it will literally say Thea's bedroom, and then BDSM, bondage, dirty talk, impact play, etc., which makes it that much easier to assess your sexual compatibility with someone. HUD is really future forward in how they're evolving their app, and I'm excited to continue using it for casual dating. Go to hudapp.com slash sextalk. That's H-U-D-A-P-P dot com slash S-E-G-G-S talk for a week on me. A quick note, the HUD app is available for both iOS and Android and is available to users over 18. And so um, with couples, I love facilitating. I love supporting them in co-topping a lot of times. And what co-topping is, yes. is where, you know, 
um, once we establish mindset and protocol and what their dynamics are, mm. um, what a co-topping scene can look like is where I am essentially proxy topping, where I am telling him what to do to her. Mm. And maybe supporting on some ties or something over here. I'm a here. voyeur, so I'm in my mind, yeah. I'm watching in the corner. <laughs> it's fucking yes, hot. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like my, my business partner, Ian, you know, um, he's a, a beautiful black trans man. And um, he is stepped so, into the dumb world. Yeah, so I trained him while he was in um, Texas. And really, he's already an embodiment of a daddy dom. Like he already embodies Naturally, that yeah. so much. And so now it was just about supporting mindset, teaching him about consent protocol mm -hmm. and navigating negotiations and trauma awareness, like what could happen when triggers mm. arise. So self-soothing and aftercare uh, modalities. For, for him. Yes, for him for to have job. education yeah, of that. Yeah, that's important too yeah. because you're holding such mm. like sacred, intense space yeah. as a dom that yeah. it's like you, yeah, you have to have your own tools. Yeah. Totally and so sense. for his final session, and I do a final session with my um, students that buy my top tier package, mm -hmm. that final session is, you know, for them to bring a submissive or a bottom over mm -hmm. to have three hour session in my dungeon Whoa. where they could, it's p partly educational. And then they can also see how I start my negotiations yeah. with somebody like start to finish and how sure. to close the container as well. And um, with Ian before he left for New York, which he is <laughs> thriving in New York. I'm so excited <laughs> for him. Um, Shout out. Is we did a co-topping scene with my sissy. Okay. And I, it was great because I was like, what I don't even your, have to put What my... does your sissy mean? We got to talk oh, to the okay. vanillas out there. Oh, the vanillas. So the I vanillas. have... Oh, yes. It's mostly vanillas. Listen, okay. I love well, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so my so a sissy is somebody who is male born, who um, may be into cross dressing, may not. Um, they may just have sessions with a dominatrix mm -hmm. to step into that feminine archetype. Okay. Um, they may also be desiring to transition however mm. due to work story family anything mm. they're unable to um i would have to say for me yeah. cross-dressers and sissies um, people exploring feminization mm -hmm. has been probably like 90 percent of my clientele wow yes um i and i feel very There's blessed safe space to for them. yeah explore that and yeah many like I would have to say like 90% like I would have to say 99% want nothing to do with their boy bits you know um oftentimes they're caged in some way mm. um chastity mm -hmm. and um and so just playing dress up <laughs> yeah. um part of us starting the ritual is they'll get ready as I get ready when I'm like mm. so I will actually show up as Donna Jean and um, oh, that's cute. Yes, that could be a fun little movie. Like, yeah, short. I don't know. Um, and you know, depending on where Donna Jean is at during the day, you know, my dungeon is my home, which is also where I do my welding. Mm -hmm. And so she's very multifaceted, <laughs> folks. And so, like, I will just come as I am, and yeah. if I'm in my masculine, wherever I'm at. So then, they oftentimes are coming from work or wherever. So my sissy happens to be a tech nerd who runs. Wow. A, you know, a tech department who like, wow. if servers go down or if a software, blah, 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 he's mm -hmm. on call. He's the one like the support wow. and he's really good at what he does and is absolutely horrified mm. if he got found out and the duality wow. of navigating that. And so as we start to get ready, that is where our rituals begins. 
It's beautiful. Um, and as I'm curling their hair and, you know, I had 15 years in the beauty industry as a cosmetologist. So She's done it all. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a Swiss Army knife. We love it. And so, yeah, it's a very beautiful journey. And then for Ian, Ian had met my sissy many a times in his muggle form. And <laughs> What does that mean? He's very masculine, like in his human, uh, mm, like, not in a yeah. BDSM. No, like okay. um, like Harry Potter muggles. muggles right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just in his uh, his streetwear, right? Whatever. Um, yeah. And so when Ian came over, my sissy was already in transformation, and the voice changes, the mm. demeanor changes. Wow. Super like pretty pink bimbo you know <laughs> and for me I love like I have a bimbo fetish I love mm. I love the pink which I love your pink bow Thank major you. turn I, on I got turn it on for me I love you. it yeah and I love hyper feminized spaces mm -hmm. um, for me um, up until the Leadership Academy, um, when I would step into Aswell Black Wolf it, like I do in my photos and my scenes for me I felt like I was putting on drag Mm, yes. Whoa. Um, I did not feel safe whoa. to appear. I love pinup. I love my little dommy gear, but I didn't feel safe. That's a good thing. I, I, I actually, in retrospect, I see that now. Mm -hmm. It's all merged. Yeah. Like you've, yes. Integration. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. my sense of safety has shifted tremendously. A lot of the catharsis and the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so anyways, back to, I digress. And then, yeah. so as somebody is in their feminized state, and then we begin our journey of whatever is negotiated on mm -hmm. and gave Ian like the best co-topping scene before sending him to New York. Amazing. Yeah, and he got to do everything. I need to, for the last few months, I've been talking to a lot of submissive guys on field. I just need to send them all to you, truly, because um, I, it's, it's, I'm not qualified. <laughs> Why don't we co-top them? <laughs> yes, yes, that'd be yeah. hot. Because... Um, yeah, I'm more into uh, like orgasm control and a lot of just like sexting, sexting and orgasm control. Yeah. But then when it comes to the the more, I don't know, niche is the right word, more specific fetishes with uh, dressing up and feminization, like I, I don't know how to support somebody in that. Mm -hmm. um, and I also just wish that it was way more normalized to go pay somebody for those services whatever yeah. they may be yeah um because there are a lot a lot of young 20s submissive men on dating apps as of recently like i think a lot of people are feeling more comfortable coming out mm -hmm. and i i hope it's my hope and prayer that they um also know that it's okay to to pay somebody for that experience oh yeah um because you know a lot of the more dominant women they're going to match with on these apps don't actually really know what they're doing. We're kind of, we'd be fumbling our way through it as well, which is mm -hmm. fine. Um, but with people with really specific kinks and fetishes that they've had for a long time, like go pay a professional. Yeah. You've been at this for 20, what, yeah, years? Like, the late <laughs> 90s. Yeah. Um, and we're very fortunate in Austin that we absolutely are saturated with amazing pro pros mm -hmm. and educators and facilitators. Of, yeah. I mean, we have a plethora. So if there's something I don't specialize in mm -hmm. and it's somebody that I, you know, in our intake, we really do vibe. I will reach out to another Dom sure. and I'll offer like, Hey, would you teach me on this sub? And like, what, it, what would that price look like? And many other Doms are like, yeah, we all share knowledge with each other. If there's something that I'm into and they're not like, 
hey, let's get a client to pay for it. And we educate, you know, yeah. so we support each other. And I love being able to work trades out with sex workers as well. Because mm-hmm. like, love a fucking trade. Um, in this country, it's really sad how our line of work is like, like this, the story and the narrative is like, there's something wrong if you go pay for it. And it's like, totally. would you say it's wrong for you to go pay for a massage? Totally. Come on. There's so much stigma to it. Yeah. And w- is it wrong to go pay for a therapist? Because <laughs> I consider myself a therapist mm. in some ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I was chatting about this with the last guest. It's like if if there's a certain amount of sex workers in the world and a certain amount of men that have seen sex workers. Yet if I were to go ask all of my guy friends, if they've ever seen a sex worker, if they know anybody that has, they'd all say, no, no, like I haven't done that. Um, and sometimes it takes further into a relationship where maybe a guy would admit, Oh, I got like a happy ending massager once, but there's, but there's shame and stigma on both parties. The sex worker and the client, the clients are heavily stigmatized as well. And, um, I totally, I just, I really hope to see a shift in that. Yeah. And I also, you know, to speak into even being called a sex worker, because it's like orgasms aren't a, uh, aren't guaranteed in a session. No, no. Neither is catharsis. That, that is not guaranteed in a session. Like we don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, somatically speaking, like we're going to go where we go. Mm -hmm. And also like, what do I feel into? And I'm feeling your energy. What are you feeling into? And right. For me, like back to you speaking into denial, edging, orgasm control, there's yeah. so much power in not releasing the seed. Mm, um, it's fun. And, and I actually went into a long like kind of conversation with uh, our, our mutual friend who has another podcast who did my grounding a couple of days ago and gave me homework to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> he's like, well, tell me more about that. And so... Um, and I learned this from um, a CBT workshop and I've done several of those. I love to meet other people who this is their lifestyle, um, edging denial. Ooh, and wow. yes. And so Wait, what CBT? Oh, cock and ball torture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, pe- like, I'm like, oh, you went to a cognitive behavioral therapy oh, workshop. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. Cock and ball torture. Yes. The okay. other CBT. Okay. Um, and so. What I have, uh, what I understand is that um, when a male ejaculates, prolactin is released, and that pretty much will like negate or destroy uh, dopamine. And so, mm. when you go long periods of time, why, that's why there's kind of a come down. Yeah, come down, come down. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you're so funny. Um, so, what happens is that like. And don't quote me on this. I'm not like a science nerd over here. I'm not like okay. Andrew Huberman. Yeah, okay. Neither of us but, are <laughs> like, Right. But like there's like a tryptophan effect that kind of occurs when you start building up and building up. Mm. And there's also modalities like our mutual friend that's a daddy dom actually can have orgasms without releasing the seed. And mm-hmm. many practitioners are, are yeah. you know, speaking into this and teaching that. So, it's also fun to have yeah. a guy begging for you. <laughs> that as well. But there's um, there's like an increase of oxytocin mm-hmm. that occurs in dopamine and serotonin the longer you go without ejaculating. Do you have a stronger come down then or not necessarily? I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know that there's a way to chart that sure. necessarily, but... Most of the guys most like of the it. people guys. in my orbit aren't necessarily or- orgasm focused. Totally, you know. And if they are, they hide it from me. <laughs> and I and another dom that was on the pod- podcast was like, you know, there, there's always that assumption that, or at least it, it's like my assumption, it, 
prior to entering this world that there was sex involved in a, in a session, like yeah. actual like penetrative sex. And that's, that's really not the case. No. Um, and if you're like talking to a pro dom, like, you know, ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had anything happen where somebody assumes that there's orgasms and come? I had one and this was, you know, I've learned how to be very, a lot more upfront about my vetting, my vetting. Yeah. Yeah. Like prior to the pandemic, um, I, I had, I went through a spell of like kind of power tripping and this is just, you know, coming back from like having some trauma stuff. And I was really power tripping on digging. Like I did have like a lot of pegging clients and I was (laughs) totally like, I'm going to I was not necessarily coming from a place Mm. of uh, spirituality. The intention was a little. My intention was a little different. And I I was really like, I was, I was sourcing. But there's a lot of guys who want to get pecked. No, these clients were very thrilled with me. And I was like, for me, the money is what was healing for me. Mm. I felt empowered, Mm. you know. um, And yeah, and it does feel empowering. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, What were we talking about? Pegging cock and ball torture. (laughs) Oh, I I, 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 I said the chemicals that came from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I full circled that. That was complete. Yes. Yeah. Oh, not you. Me. I was trying to figure out where I was going. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, The neuro spicy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, Would you like to share about your your younger years, more of your your life trajectory and journey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a first generation American. My family's from South Korea. Um, my mother was the first to come over. She was the Mm. youngest. She was born, she was the only one born right after the war. And, um, she, when she came over, she was 17 or 18 and, um, she was the rebel of the family. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And so, um, when she came over, she pretty much got knocked up, um, Mm. by an American. Um, my brother and I are not in the family tree because we're dirty blood. Yeah, our lineage oh. is very specific. The ma- marriages Who's is in range. My my like, Korean side. Mm. Yeah, yeah, on the Korean side, my brother and I are not in the family tree. Jesus. Yeah, Christ. yeah, and um, and I don't have very many memories before the age of five. Okay. There's a lot of trauma. Um, my mother, um, truly warrior. I mean, mm. she has been through it, and there is a lot of uh, sexual abuse in my early childhood. And at one point, I remember my mom just disappearing. Mm. And she did come back for us, and she took my brother and I. Because um, I do remember, like, speaking into it, you know, things were going on. And it was, like, a whole cul-de-sac of just really sick people, you know? Um, and it wasn't just the adults. It was the the older kids as well. And mm. looking hindsight, if it was the older kids, it was because they were experiencing it from the adults as well. Yeah. And um, and I remember speaking into it and it just being a horrifying time in my life. And as I've done a lot of work navigating that, um, it wasn't until the Leadership Academy that I actually spoke into the word. I couldn't even say the word dad. I couldn't. Um, and that was probably the, I was ready. I was ready to break through that and to own power over it. Yeah. And um, so when my mom got us, she took us, she brought us to Texas. And next thing I know, How old like- were you? Was that this five? I would I would have to say this is like, because I remember kindergarten living in that neighborhood. And in then what state? I, this was in North Carolina. Okay. 
And um, it was Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Mm. I remember that. And then next thing you know, we're living in San Antonio. Okay. And I have kind of spotty memories throughout that. And um, my mom just being gone a lot. Mm. And at some point... Becoming very independent. Were you taking care of your brother? Was he younger? He was older and he was a hot mess. Like, um, he was already a kind of a special person in my life as far as... um, his, the way that he would get, become emotional, dis, emotionally dysregulated. Mm. And, of course, as a six, seven-year-old, I did not have that kind of language. Mm. Um, right, right, yes. right. Um, and he was older. And, like, I remember us being, like, on drugs at one point in our 20s on the phone. He disclosed to me that he remembered my mom getting raped and my dad bringing his friends over to rape my mom. Mm. And so he, this was one of his memories wow. as well he shared with me. But we were – the only time Tense him and I – Yeah, like in our 20s, the only time we could really relate and it not mm. be some sort of bloodbath was uh, we had to both be on oh, drugs. Yeah, so yeah. Altered. My, yeah, yeah. Um, I love my brother. I've done a lot of work around him. I release him of a lot. And just, you know, we're estranged from each other. Um, but, you know, so growing up, it was very, like, kind of hot, cold in our in our house. And I do remember having a Korean nanny that raised us. Mm. My mom was gone a lot. We weren't without. At some point, my mother inherited, and looking hindsight, it was a sugar daddy who just loved and adored my mom. And so she got oh, his good. house. Yeah, so when he passed, we got her his house. Whoa. The Cadillac, the station wagon with the wood paneling. And uh, she got a titty bar. Um, he taught her how to run a topless club. She was the only female owner, and this is called The Tender Trap in San Antonio. Oh, my God. This was, like, in the 80s. My mom was a You are a movie. This (laughs) is a fucking movie. My mother's a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. love um, it. Bless her heart. She's such a comeback story. Oh, absolutely. Yes, and she had a massage parlor with happy ending. I remember running around the massage parlor during the day when she was doing paperwork, wondering, why are all these mirrors, and why is there (laughs) a hot tub with a massage table and showers in every room? And, you know, I remember... Playing firefighter on the pole at the titty bar, and we'd go in like when my wow. mom would do paperwork, and like we'd find dollar bills all around the stage. And my brother was smart; he'd go by the bar and he'd find twenties and hundreds, like that oh. were just so. Like I would go to the stage and like look for the ones, wow. and play on the pole, and yeah, like. And I remember when we went from like having like the DJ booth, like getting upgraded to like having a CD player and just playing in that <laughs> through so, the eras. Yeah, was it a pretty big shift from like? being where I mean it sounds like you were in poverty to some degree yeah. to to like the house and the cattle like was it kind of like a, a quick shift like it was yeah like, it, was. Whoa. it was that's an interesting thing to process I feel like yeah well I was a very manic kid what does that mean I had a lot of energy I was not in my body um I did not even have memories like the memories of the abuse would kind of pop in and out and I would mm. just I don't know how much I was in my body. I was also like a kid. Um, and Trying to be a kid. Trying to be. And yeah. even, you know, I remember even the next five years getting molested and things like that from different mm. neighborhood kids. And, you know, um, and it was in that I time that I... It happens a lot more with other kids than yeah, people realize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, I feel like when it happened with other kids, it was a little easier for me to process. I was still confused and didn't know right. how to speak about it. Right. And having my mom gone, and looking hindsight, she was in survival mode. And there's a part of her that still is, you know. Sounds like you've able, been yeah. able to, you found a lot of empathy for. Yeah, I, yes, yeah. I've done a lot of work. Yeah, I go Al-Anon. Um, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I just, you know, remember just having a really exciting childhood as far as like we always had toys Twice and lows. Oh, we always had things, but like every Friday night, my mom would promise to meet us for dinner, and she never would. 
Um, she'd send one of her employees. Oh, sweetie. Yeah. But I also had a lot of aunties that had penises growing up, too. It was great. Like, my mother hired uh, people back then. They called them trannies. Yeah. And so I grew up. My mom was always just very open about who she hired. And so, like, for me, um, whoever came to meet us for dinner was just, like, fabulous. Oh, my gosh. And this is a movie. Yes, yes, yes. You need to write yeah. this a movie. Yeah. Yes. And, wow. Yeah. And so I just remember, like, so gift giving isn't my love language because of this, you know? Like, my mother would send somebody and they'd bring me a little gift and say, you know, your mom really wants to be here, but I'm here. It's quality time, baby. Yeah, quality I bet. time. Yep, yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So um, there's a little bit of back and forth in my childhood and I don't really want to go too much into it, but just there is an ongoing theme. And, you know, I, I remember at around the age of 12, the violence with my brother was just really upticking as he was getting older. Mm. Um, and with my mom gone for long periods of time, it's that, we had like this really strange duality where the strictness of the Korean culture mm. was there. But then I wasn't really, I was given tutors, but not a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. And so like my grades weren't the best. So I was getting punished, but not given a lot of guidance on what to do. And yeah, it was like the traditional strictness, but then also like no structure because your mom's gone. Yeah. So it was like, and yeah. And then when my aunties would come for a few months out of the year, it was the hell. I mean, I don't know. Korean aunties? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, I don't know my white side. Like, I don't know gotcha. my American side at all, you know? And so I remember at one point, like, the violence was just getting to a point where I didn't know how to contain myself. And so the home life was almost like a war. And then when I was at school, I was able to, like, just be so present. And I was almost, like, just had so much energy that I was, now I look hindsight, I was discharging the energy. But I wanted to always be happy. Yeah. You know? And I didn't want people to know what was going on with me at home. And, um... I remember at 12, my my birth father had um, remarried to another Korean woman and adopted her son and was available for me to come live with him. Whoa. And I had at that time blocked out some of the stuff in my childhood. And I was like, mm. okay, I'm here for this. And I went and his new wife was extremely like whenever time we were alone, she was just like fist fights. I mean, she just would wow. find a reason to beat me. And I was very Holy confused. Shit. And I was like, I'd rather get beat by the people that I love at home than oh, some honey. stranger. And at that time is when I started cutting, you know? Um, and it was at that time when um, my father t would touch me inappropriately. And I knew I needed to get out. And so that was a very short-lived trip. But it was after that that I had moved back to my mom. And at this point some tragedies happened at the at the titty bar. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't know what had happened during that time until in my early 20s. Sure. And so I came back. We were no longer living in a house. We were now in an apartment. I had never lived in an apartment. We're now in the inner city. Mm. And now I'm going to another school that was There's no city. safety or predictability in this. No. You know? Like not, no. nothing and that you can rely on. No. And I remember like just already wearing a lot of black, you know, I wasn't a happy kid. Baby goth. Yeah, a little baby gothling. And uh, I got taken under the wing of Sharps, a skinheads against racial prejudice. Um, it was a anti-skinhead mm. um, group. Okay. <laughs> so they gave me my first pair of steel-toed combat boots, my first bomber jacket, you know. Um, I, I, I shaved photos. my first mo mohawk then. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I remember asking my cousin for... So my oldest cousin, he has been my biggest supporter. He came to live with us when he was 15 from Korea, mm -hmm. and he is just always... I'm the only girl in my family. And oh, yeah. Wow. And so he had always just baby-girled me in a way that no one else in my family did. 
And so I remember asking him for, hey, can I borrow your clippers? And he's like, clippers. what are you? Oh, the hair. hair. Yeah, he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, oh, I'm going to hook up my friend's hair. And at this time, we were already playing with like bleach and punky color hair dye. <laughs> and so like I had the long Korean hair, like nobody would Whoa. let me cut my hair. And so I picked it up like this. Holy and I shit. picked it up and I had my friend shave it. And it was like not quite the mohawk. It was more like the yeah. metalhead mohawk. I mean, this is San Antonio, you know. <laughs> um, and, and then I parted my hair down the middle and I went to dinner that night thinking nobody would notice that I took off a chunk of my hair. And with then, your family? Yeah. Oh, with the- well, was, my mom wasn't there. Yeah. She was always gone. But I had a stepdad during that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the DJ from the titty bar. Um, and then that titty bar ended up uh, burning down. Um, and... Um, Stuff happened, and so my mom is now doing other stuff for work, okay. which back then I didn't know, game room stuff. And, um, yeah, casinos with game rooms. Mm. And um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, and so I went to dinner, and my mom was, like, my stepdad was like, hey, put, pick up your hair. And I was like, why? Oh, my God. Why? And this is the most valuable lesson I ever learned at 13. Yeah. Yes. This was 13? Oh, 13. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. That's, this is when oh I came God. back after hell on wheels, right? I yeah. came back sassy. <laughs> um, I got grounded for two weeks for shaving my head. Aww. And at the end of the two weeks, mm-hmm. I still got my way. Uh-oh. <laughs> what is the consequence <laughs> to the act I want? Mm. If I do this and there's a consequence, let me weigh it because I may mm-hmm. go ahead and take the consequence so I can do what I want anyways. Mm-hmm. So at 13 years old, that was a very valuable lesson mm. for little, little yes. baby Donna Jean. Yes. Yeah. So what was your first um, experience of uh, BDSM, BDSM kink? Ah, let's see. I remember, well, I would have to say probably 15. It was a bloodletting. What? Oh, yeah. With my first love. Yeah. Like we're going to like cut and bond? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was already a cutter at that time, and so mm, was he. Wow. Yeah, he had he had special abuse that was going on at home, and I did at home as well. And so we'd meet at the uh, drainage ditch between our house, wow. and we'd just hold hands and like look at the sky and the stars. And, of course, at 15, he wanted to have sex. And, you know, I was, you know, in that apartment complex we lived in, I was assaulted. That was the first time I was raped um, at 13. And um, and after that, I just really was confused about my body. Mm, and I knew I, I did not sure. want sex, you know. And he was so loving and kind. And for me, like, I, I just didn't have an interest in exploring that. Mm-hmm. And so for me, holding hands is, to this day, very special and precious. Aww. Yeah. Um, what was your first experience of uh, playing with toys, with BDSM toys? Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have to say... um, More of, like, the leather scene or... Yeah, so probably 16, 17 is when I, you know, read the story of, oh, The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty. What are those? Uh, These are books. Um, These are, like, the story of, oh, is... I think it was originally written in French. Mm. Maybe maybe not. These are older... Original erotica? Erotica, yes. And then this, The Claiming of Sleeping Beauty is Anne Rice's trilogy. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, what kinds of scenes are depicted in them mm, that like you remember? I remember in st- the story of oh the the main character had like a chastity. Oh wow! Yeah, and learning about chastity just felt really right for me. Mm. You know, <laughs> um, I've always felt like my power is around my pussy. It is. It holds so much power, mm-hmm. and to forgive not only just to forgive those that wanted to covet it mm. without consent, understanding why they're desiring it. Because I have so much power. And so do you. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Mm-hmm. Women have a lot of power. Our pussies have a lot of power. I mean, history is the patriarchy has been intentionally rewiring it. So yeah. we get disconnected from that power yeah. that we have, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember yeah. at 17 seeking out fetish shows. And um, cool. so back it up a little bit. I went to five different high schools in three different cities in two different states. Mm. I was... N- no, no stability. No I was a wild child and yeah. I learned how to... Like, I was me in your face um, <laughs> if I was on a cutting spree. I did not hide it. This mm. is, you know, wow. I mean, I'd wear long sleeve shirts, but I didn't... I was not ashamed of how I self-soothe. Mm. I've always been very, like here I am. But it and wasn't self-soothing. I it, mean, it was. It was soothing to you at the time. It was self-soothing. I have a different take on what mm. is considered self-harming and self-soothing. Um, I got heavily into piercings in high school. I love needle play. Mm. Um, I remember, you know, at 17, it was me and a couple. Of, I lived in like Youngsport, Texas, my senior year of high school. I literally started running out of places to live because I just kept getting kicked out of places. Um, and Wild so child. by senior year, I was living at a Buddhist temple in Youngsport, Texas. And what? It, yeah, it was the one I grew up going to. I haven't heard this chapter. Yeah. Okay. And it was the one I grew up going to. So the head Whoa. monk knew me since I was like a little one. They, and, they took you? <laughs> they well, he loved in. me. He adored me. He always yeah. like would tell me things like you're closer to the truth than other, other people. You know, um, one of my ways of rebelling against my mom's work is in high school, once I realized like, could my mom go to federal prison for what she does? Mm. I didn't want allowances. I didn't want money. Like I started working Whoa. at 16. Like I remember like even I had a chapter where I lived in Chicago, the Chicagoland area with my uncle, mm-hmm. you know, like I always wanted to work and make my own money. Um, yeah. I did not want to support my mom's whatever her scarcity, whatever survivor mode she was in. I wanted yeah. her time. So oh, like I rebelled God. against taking her money. Okay. And um, where was I going with that? So yeah, I remember being at the Buddhist temple and mm. he would he would tell me like, hey, come and go as you please. And back to not taking my mom's allowance money or anything, I would go thrift, stop, thrift store shopping. And another reason for that is that when I went to the mall, there's nothing that felt like me. There wasn't a goth topic back then, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, like I made my own Didn't clothes. Really I would go in. to Walmart and get safety pins and start putting yeah. things together. Um, so cool. Yeah. So OG. Yeah. And it also <laughs> like it gave me a lot of freedom to express myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the thing that kept me in high school the most is choir. Mm-hmm. Choir was my jam learning so many new yeah. cool tidbits about you. oh i can't sing to save my life now but back the then choir yeah. buddhist temple titty bar yeah i'm learning so many yeah. new, new as real don- uh, factoids yeah. and so um, living at that buddhist temple is the first time i lived in a home where he said here's a key come and go as you please mm. and he really meant that and he felt like there's probably a level of safety and groundedness there too yeah like you 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 weren't always on edge for chaos with siblings or violence. Or no, there was nothing there. There was nobody that was trying to control me. There was nobody making rules. And here's a man yeah. who truly loved me who never tried to touch me inappropriately. Yeah. And for the longest time, that's how I would measure a man is, Sure. are you hitting on me? Totally. Do you see me as a human? Mm-hmm. You know? And now I'm very fortunate that I'm surrounded by a plethora of platonic male friends and mentors. Who would have thought? I know. Same. I know. Well, I've, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful awesome. gift. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> male embodied men, like men who are capable of seeing women as humans and sharing space with them and doing activities. And even if there's some flirting and maybe some energy exchange, it doesn't 
But doing it in a way to, where there's not a... It doesn't have to is. escalate. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Those men are precious. They are. Hold yeah. on fucking tight, the platonic mm. friends. <laughs> yes. And I want to call forth more of that. Yeah. Through my definitely. work. Like, definitely. Definitely. Like, in, to segue into, you know, platonic intimacy spaces. Mm. Educating people on how to be that. There are so many nights when I am home alone mm-hmm. and I am not with a partner yet. And I am like, or I'm calling in my partner. And I'm at home and I'm like, I just want to fucking cuddle. I would pay. I would pay a nice big cuddly man to come cuddle me platonically without trying to fuck me. That's available. <laughs> and I can show you the well, website and then where you can source the website. that. Yeah. Are they hot? I mean, you can choose. That's not really relevant yeah. though, Anyways, necessarily. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just, no, I just mean like their hotness isn't relevant. Like yeah. I, um, yeah, cuddles, platonic intimacy. So we do have to wrap up in a few minutes. Mm. Um, I would love to bring it back to, to our bigger themes of, of healing and, mm, and, and your that. mission. Love that. Yeah, I'll let I'll let you start from somewhere. Oh goodness, don't do that. <laughs> no, sorry. No, okay, me, be be direct. Be direct. <laughs> that would support me. Oh, okay. Um, what is the most profound thing that you've ever witnessed somebody work through in their healing? I don't know how to. What are some themes that you see that people are healing through through kink and shibari and BDSM? Maybe themes. Just shame. Mm. The story around how they have to hide. Yeah, secrecy. Um, the story o- around their worthiness. Mm-hmm. I would have to say what really inspired me to get back into the industry after taking a hiatus mm. was how much I saw I saw bigger breakthroughs when I was teaching Krav Maga, when I was in the martial arts world. Mm-hmm. You know, bigger breakthroughs for people breaking through stories around who they be. You saw more breakthroughs with BDSM. Than, no, with oh. with people learning how to learn self protection, mm. learning their voice. Yeah, and then was able to start shifting that into because the underlying theme with all of yeah. most people I I touch, I'm in relationship with, mm-hmm. even in mindset coaching. If I ask them about like, where are they with their sensuality? And I ask many people like, tell me about your meditation and your masturbation practices. Oh, that's great. Yeah. This is an uncommon conversation for me to have with people. Yeah. Um, and They're both rituals and routines. Exactly. That are yeah. So like, and also, you know, like that's part of total body wellness. Hmm. And so underlying stories, mm-hmm. whether it's not kink related, where are you with touching yourself? Celebrating yourself, the mirror work. Mm-hmm. The stories, who are you sharing these stories with? Mm. Who's witnessing you through the the gritty parts as well? Who's holding space for you? And oftentimes for people, there's not that. There's yeah. This gets this is my mission to change that. Yes. To change that. Yes. And it is my mission to like Same. I'm a Rolodex of information of other practitioners as well. You know, from Tantra to BDSM, everything in between, breath workers. DMer. Yeah, please, yes, because this the healing gets to really we we globally get to heal. Yeah, so many levels because there's so many things that get to happen before we can even touch on shared intimacy. Right, right, yeah, and um, and also just a reminder to everyone like this is such a, a slow, patient progression. All of these journeys, yeah, um, you know, there it, it, it took took me six months to a year to be like, I'm going to do this podcast. And then it took another um, 
you know, it took another six months of me to get today to say I've done sugar baby dating mm. or sex work light, as somebody told me recently. Oh, yeah, sugar babying is so much fun. I love um, being a sugar baby. Yeah. And and so it all of this has been like everything in exploration mm. is is such a natural progression. So I don't want anybody listening or watching to think that they could like uh, – I just want people to navigate this with patience. Yes. And I also want to acknowledge you and to speak into the fact that you have support. You've literally hired coaches to support you on this journey as I have. I. Good coaches have coaches. That's another yeah, important tip. I have coaches. I have support. I literally had a man of the cloth praying with me. <laughs> one of my photographers. I had my coach ground me for yeah. today too. And then I had another one of my friends who's a, a mindset coach fluff my aura. The like, theme is yeah. you don't have to do hard shit alone no. and kink, anything related to kink and, and sex and, and this exploration of your fantasies where there's shame around them. Like, um, it doesn't have to be alone. No, not at all. Yeah. 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 Well, where can people find you on social media? So, the lovely Instagram likes to take me down yes. from yeah. time to yep. time. I'm yep. still learning to navigate <laughs> that. So it is now at A-Z-R-I-E-L period B-L-A-C-K period W-O-L-F. Azrael Blackwolf. Yes. Great. Do you yeah. have a website? It, that's just the main place my, right now. For we're people. redoing my landing page. Okay. So uh, we're revamping a lot of things. So, yeah. Well, today has been a blessing. Mm, thank you. I love being here with you. More to come. More to come. We'll let the people tell us exactly what we should talk about. <laughs> oh, I think we should definitely do an episode where I bring one of my puppies and we teach you how to flog him. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do a working sesh. <laughs> I would love that. I would love if Play you could sesh. podcast at my dungeon. Perfect. Thank you, <laughs> I my dear. You. I love my you pleasure. too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sex Talk Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media at Sex Talk Radio Podcast and learn more about my free online community at sexysociety.com.